thankful to be bringing the word of the Lord tonight. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. And I'll be reading Philippians chapter 1. Each just one verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Turning to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, said, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In the message, it says it like this. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject, an author with a flourishing finish. An author with a flourishing finish. You can be seated tonight. Amen. I I wish tonight that I could say that I have always been an avid reader. I, I enjoy it much more today than I did in my childhood or my teenage years. But one thing that I have always loved has been a good plot twist. The one that has you reading thinking you already know who done it. Every page gives more and more proof that you're on the right track and you've got your detective mind on and you're just a few pages away from the end of the book when all of the sudden something changed along the way. It wasn't who you thought it was at all. It wasn't how you thought it was going to turn out. And you got the surprise of your life. Each chapter left you with that cliffhanger that caused you to be eager to find out what would happen next. I remember as a child listening on the radio in my grandparents' vehicle. And you would hear that, that phrase at the end, next time on Big John and Sparky. It gave you a whole week to wonder what was going to happen. How was this story going to unfold? It meant that I had time to sit down and come up with the hypothesis of what I thought was going to happen and who I thought the bad guy might be and who I thought the good guy might end up being. Thinking you have heard enough to figure it all out. Believing you have enough evidence to support your opinion on what is going to happen. And then... The plot twist. And everything you thought you knew was wrong. But that is okay because it actually always turned out better that way. It created a storyline that was much more interesting. It created an excitement in all of the listeners and those that were reading to say, Wow, what an awesome plot twist. What is a plot twist, you ask? It is an unsuspected occurrence or turn of events in the story that completely changes the direction or outcome of the plot from the direction it was likely to go. 
Plot twists are designed to disrupt things in a story that the audience thinks they already know or have figured out. The author achieves this twisting of the plot by providing a huge shock or surprise. A plot twist can completely change your perception of the storyline. It has the potential to change the outcome of the story. Does anybody want a plot twist for your life tonight? Do you want something that just comes out of nowhere and surprises you and leaves you in awe and wonder, thanking God that somewhere along life's journey, He stopped you and He found you and He said, I know that this is the direction your life is heading, but I want to stop and I want to change it. I I know that you're walking away right now, but I want to stop you in your tracks and I want you to set your feet on solid ground. I'm thankful tonight that we serve an author that loves to give a good plot twist. One of my favorite memories as a child was listening to devotions or Sunday school or going to children's church. We would see the Bible come to life as someone would read the Word of God. They would tell those Bible stories and and they would act them out. And the Word of God would literally come to life before my very eyes. Hebrews 4 and 12 in the NIV said the Word of God is alive and active. But I would sit and listen as they read about David and Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Moses and Noah and Elijah and Jesus and all of the disciples. And I would sit on the edge of my seat with expectation, wondering what would happen next. What was the next part of the story? David defeated a lion and a bear. What could possibly happen next? Even now as an adult... While reading my boy's devotion each night, you find it interesting. They each have their favorite Bible story. And when they think they've found their favorite one, they hear another one. And they like that one even the, the, more, the, the more they hear, the more they love. And, and you just keep on reading and you find something interesting that you like. And even as an adult, you read the Word of God and find another part that is just as exciting and faith-building. With one chapter closing, perhaps leaving you with a question that maybe might not get answered in the next chapter. But somewhere down the line, it will all unfold and make sense. Prophecies that would go forth in the Old Testament. And you're wondering, well, when does that unfold? When does that come to fruition? And then you go read in the New Testament and there's that aha moment where you realize what they were all talking about and, and how it's all beautifully webbed together. The times that go on in life that we we know that God has written a storyline and we're questioning when is this going to unfold. And then that moment comes and we say, all right, God, now I see what you were doing and what you were talking about. But there are times where we sit and we wonder when is that going to happen. Galatians 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come. One translation said, but when the right time came. That God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Peter would reference Joel in Acts saying, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Many times in Scripture there would be this cliffhanger 
where one chapter would end and you can't wait to read the next chapter to find out what would happen next. But no matter how many times you are reading God's Word, He will reveal something that you missed before. Something that has always been there, but He just he tucked it away in that verse because you were going to need it years down the road when you would read over that again. And it would come out of the pages to you and you'd say, well, I never saw that before. All of this just speaks of the incredible author that He truly is. Second Timothy tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We know the word and the events that took place many years ago. We've heard them in our childhood. How that there was a man named Abram. And God told him that he would have a son. And that he would be the father of many, many nations. But there was a delay There was barrenness. There was no way possible that Abraham and Sarah could have a son. But God would assure them that Sarah shall have a son. But even in that, people get involved and they try to help God out by having Hagar step in and have a child with Abram. And you're watching this story unfold and it seems like nothing good is coming. And it's like they're looking at God and saying, all right, God, we're not getting any younger. You've promised us this son and nothing's happening. And every day and every time I turn the page of a calendar, I'm sitting here saying, God, you told me I would have a son, but here we are and nothing has changed. When it seemed like they were too old, again, God tells them she will have a son. And so she did. Then the Lord asked Abraham to sacrifice this son. And even though questions would arise, Abraham did according to the Lord. And he went to the mount and he took his son and he laid him upon the altar. And as a child, you're sitting there and eagerly listening to what's about to take place. Terrified that this young boy is about to lose his life at the hand of his father and the knife. And his father lifts his hand and a voice cries out from heaven and says, Abraham, don't lay your hand upon the lad. For now I know that thou fearest God. I'm thankful that we serve a God who knows how to give a good plot twist that says it's going this way and you're not having a child and then you finally have a child and then it's time to sacrifice that child but I stop you in your tracks at the very last minute because I want you to know now I know that thou fearest God we know of the mighty champion named Goliath who is out on that battlefield calling out the children of Israel asking to send a man And we know that this small shepherd boy hears this taunting giant. And all of a sudden he steps out and says, Is there not a cause? And to the first time reader, they're sitting there thinking, What is this young shepherd boy doing? What is this young kid doing stepping out to this nine foot giant of a man? 
challenging him. The reader's sitting there thinking, what has he gotten into his mind? But he steps out and he says, is there not a cause? And all of the sudden, rock meets the Philistine flesh. And a young boy that was once an underdog is now a champion because God stepped in and God got involved in the storyline. And he said, I know that it's shifting this way and it's moving this way, but I'm stepping into the story and I'm going to change the outcome. In the very beginning, there was a perfect paradise called Eden and sin had entered into that garden. Humanity had fallen in life, perfect, but for a moment was now spiraling downward so quickly. Man had fallen, so there had to be shedding of blood. Generations gone by and countless have relied on sacrificial lambs, but still there was not a permanent solution. There was only the law that would tell them what they needed to do. But Romans 8 in the message said, The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. Who would make it right? Who would enter into the story and change the course? Who would come and save God's people from their sins? Would it be a king? Would it be a mighty warrior? No, in fact, it would be a baby. And that baby would grow and do many miracle signs and wonders. And at the age of 33 would die by crucifixion. And it looks as if hell had the last laugh and the final say. As love breathed its last breath and now it lies dead on a tree. To the reader, to the eyewitness, to the mother of, of him, to the followers, all hope now seems lost. They take his body and they seal it in a borrowed tomb. And with Jesus' dead body on the inside and guards standing on the outside, surely now everyone knows what he meant when he said, It is finished. This is where the author does it one more time. For three days later, there was an earthquake. And the stone was rolled away. And he was no longer in the tomb. For when Mary got there, the angel said, Whom you're looking for, he is not here. He is risen. And once again, there was a plot twist in the story. And from that fall of man, from the very beginning, when it looked like nothing was ever going to change, when it looked like humanity was doomed forever, God said, I'm going to robe myself in flesh. I'm going to do the ultimate come back. I'm going to put myself on a tree and I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And three days later, I'm going to shock everyone. Even the ones that I tell about it aren't going to believe it. But I am going to rise again. You see, this is not our first time to hear these stories. We know about their lives. We have books and commentaries and we've heard sermon series preached on these men and women of God. All kinds of information is available to us regarding the lives of some of these mentioned. We know the beginning of their stories and we know the end of their stories. For there are many scriptures that allow us to see where they came from. How old they were when it happened. What, what location where they were at. The Bible gives us all kinds of details that we can look into. What life-changing event took place in their life? Where were they when it happened? 
And you see, I'm afraid that sometimes we read this inspired word of God and categorize it with nursery rhymes and comic books because it's something we've heard so many times. We've heard David in that mighty giant story so many times. We've heard Daniel in the den of lions so many times. And it becomes just another fairy tale in the minds of the listeners. But can I remind someone tonight, these are not fictional characters that are shared with us as children. Mother Goose and Mary, the mother of Jesus, are not in the same category. Samson and Superman may both be strong, but one of them died, and the other was simply a fictitious character. Every single scripture is an actual account of things that did happen, are happening, and will happen. And we read this word, and we know what happens. We know the major role players and what happened in their lives, and we can tell you what they did. And we do not fret when we read of their downfalls. For we know the majority of our Sunday school heroes had a wonderful, joyful ending. We know that their stories have a flourishing finish. We don't fret at Pharaoh's army chasing down the children of Israel when we read that in our Bibles anymore because we know the outcome is that one day they do get to enter their promised land. We know that eventually everything works out on their behalf. We don't worry about Joseph being in a pit when we read that part of the story any longer because we know that one day he does end up in the home of Pharaoh as the number one man next to Pharaoh. We don't worry about the rain when we begin to read the story of Noah because we know that Noah endured and him and his family survived. We don't worry about Daniel's fate when he's thrown into the den of lions. We don't worry about the fate of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're thrown into the fiery furnace and we don't sweat the cross because we know that he lives. We don't worry about any of these people people in these stories because we know their story. But what about when it's my story? What about when I have no gauge to base my life on? What about when the next step that I'm going to take, I don't know what that is. I don't know when that transition takes place. I don't know when that change comes. I don't know when that person walks into my life. I don't know when all of this changes. And you see, God knows the ending from the beginning, but I do not. But what about me when I am only on chapter 31 of 75? I don't know the end of the story in my life. I don't know what's next. I don't know what is coming. What about when I'm the one facing a storm or a trial and I don't know where I'm going to put my next step? What about when I have failed time and time again? What about when you are an epistle written in hearts, known and read by all men. My story, it doesn't look very glamorous. It doesn't look like there is much hope. My story has too many tragedies, too much drama, or perhaps you would look at my life as a comedy. It's easy to rely on the author when you already know what he's saying regarding them. Because you know their story. But what about trusting the author in your story? What about when it's you and not David? What about when it's your struggles and not Joseph's struggles? What about when the story wasn't so bad and then you find yourself in a chapter of life where everything that can go wrong will go wrong? 
What about when you find yourself in a doctor's office thinking everything is normal and then the doctor looks over at you with that concern looked and says that word cancer. What about when you're living for God and serving faithfully and doing all that you know to do and your spouse is ready to give in and throw in the towel? What about when that child that you brought before God and and offered them back to Him as you dedicated them as a baby and they've grown up now and they're 18 years old and now they're looking at you and they're saying they don't want to live this life anymore. They don't want to serve God anymore. What do you do then when that becomes part of your story? What about when you were born in an abusive home with an alcoholic father or a mother who wants nothing to do with you? When life just seems to be spiraling downhill with no sign of hope. Tell me, preacher, what do I do then? I know what happened in Joseph's life. I know what happened for David. But I'm talking about me right now. In the storm I'm facing. In the giant that's before me. And all that I'm going through. What about me right now, preacher? What do I do then? I'll tell you what to do. Being confident. Of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So until that day comes. You keep on living. You keep on trusting. You keep on walking by faith and not by sight. You cling on to God's unchanging hand. And you say God however long it takes. God because one of these days. I'm believing that something's going to change. One of these days I'm going to see breakthrough. One of these days I'm going to see that revival. One of these days I'm going to experience all that you promised me. I know I don't see it right now. I know I'm not in that chapter yet. God, but you're doing a work right now. You're writing a story and it's got a flourishing finish. God, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be magnificent. If I can just hold on just a little while longer. The very hand that formed you, that's what you need to hold on to right now. The very hand that is writing your story. The very one that said that while you were in your mother's womb, He knew you. The one that said He knew the plans that He had for you. He's not only the author, the leader, the pioneer, but He is also the finisher of my faith. If you feel like this chapter of your life is a wreck... Just hold on a little bit longer. You might be in that cliffhanger moment right now, not knowing what's going to happen next, but just stick around in that cliffhanger. Just hold on to the next chapter because the plot twist is coming and something is going to break. Something is going to happen in your family, in your own mind, in your own body, if you can just make it to the next part. Scripture said my feet had almost slipped until I went into the sanctuary of God. I was in darkness, but He called me out of darkness and brought me into marvelous light. I was in the miry clay, but He picked me up and set me on a solid ground. He made a way in the wilderness and He turned that sea that was before me into a highway Weeping, it does last for a night, but joy 
comes in the morning. You see, regardless of how your story is playing out right now, regardless of the weeping that may be taking place right now, joy comes in the morning. Something else is just on the horizon. Your breakthrough is just on the other side of where you are right now. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord, God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tiding unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So no matter what you're going through and dealing with, if you'll hold on just a little bit longer, God's got the remedy for everything. He's going to step into the scene and say, I know you're going through all of this right now, but I'm sending somebody to tell you, to preach you out of that place that you're in, to tell you if you would hold on just a little bit longer. I'm about to give you some oil. I'm about to put a garment of praise on you. I'm about to do all the things that God has sent me to do so that you could hold on just a little bit longer. There have been many coaches who have used a boulder in their locker rooms to speak of sculptors who come and they chip away at that giant rock. When you're chipping away at that giant boulder, there's not much breakthrough happening. It's just little bitty pieces that are falling down and it looks like you're accomplishing nothing. You've struck that rock 200 times and still it's just a big rock. And sometimes that's how we feel when we're facing an issue. That we're hitting that rock and we're hitting that rock and nothing is changing. It's still just a giant rock before me. But he said, you've got to keep on chipping away. You've got to keep on pounding that rock. You've got to keep on coming in every time and hitting that rock with everything you've got. You've got to keep on holding on because it may be the hundredth time you've hit it and nothing has taken place and nothing radical has happened. But then on that hundred and first try, you strike a blow and the whole thing crumbles apart. And now that thing that you've been trying to break apart breakthrough takes place and now there's a structure there that you can work with now there's something there that you can make into something and it takes you a while to get to that place but if you could hold on just a little bit there's a plot twist that's coming nothing 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 but then something then it finally breaks come to speak to someone tonight who has been tired and weary you've contemplated throwing in the towel because life has not turned out the way that you thought it would you declared 2020 a year of perfect vision 2020 for 2020 and you've been poked in the eye all year long blurring your vision don't you stop until you get your breakthrough 
Don't you stop until you get your vision back. Don't you stop praying until all of this stuff just goes away. Don't you give in in this hour when God's saying, no, this is not the best part. This is not where you give in. This is not your best hour. This is not your best day. But if you could see beyond right now, if you could see what I'm calling you to and beckoning you to, then you would know this is just a cliffhanger moment and you're in 2020 wondering what's going to happen and I'm telling you just hold on just you wait and see for you wouldn't believe me even if I told you but if you would hold on and you would keep on chipping away and you would keep on living this life fasting and praying and seeking my face then there's going to come a day where all of the sudden that downward spiral life you've been living I'm going to swoop you up with my hand and turn you around and get you back going in the right direction. Know tonight that the author of your story isn't done writing yet. He isn't stopping until there's a flourishing finish. And don't you be satisfied with anything less. I'm just about to get to the good part if you hold on a little longer. It's all going to make sense so, so very soon. Second Corinthians said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If I can just get past this part, it's going to get really good. God is not trying to see how bad He can make my life before saving me at the last second and being a mighty hero. God's not interested in confusing me and causing chaos in my world. He said, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. But rather, He is showing you that when life has been unkind, when your family and friends have hurt you, and others have let you down, He can turn it in an instant. When the story looks over, God says, just wait for the plot twist. It's about to change, and it's about to blow your mind. When you have that encounter with Jesus, something shifts and changes. You were blind, but now you see. I was bound in chains, but the Son hath set me free. Luke 15 speaks of a lost sheep, lost coin, and a lost son. In my Bible, above each and every one of those stories, it says, The lost sheep, the lost coin... And the prodigal son. But just because that is what it has been labeled. Does not mean that that is how the story ends. For how tragic would it be if it was the lost sheep. And that story ended with that sheep being lost. If it said the lost coin and that story ended with the coin being lost. And that prodigal son never found his way back home. What a tragedy of a story that would be. But when you read the story of the lost sheep and that sheep is out lost from the rest, something happens and a plot twist takes place. And he comes and he returns with that lost sheep. And he said, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Somewhere between verse 8 and verse 10, when that woman lost her coin and she's sweeping, again it happens. A plot twist takes place and she says, 
says, I have found the peace which I had lost. And when the sun had left and all hope seemed gone, something shifted that kept this sun from sliding any further. And the father said, my son was dead and is alive again. My son was lost and is found. Hear me tonight. God is getting ready to open doors that you thought were impossible. He's about to make a way where you thought there was no way. In your situation, that son or daughter has walked out and you're sitting there saying, well, well, I don't think they're ever coming back. They've been gone so long. They've been out there so long. But God steps into the story and He says, keep on reading. Don't give up yet. Keep on reading the story because I'm not done writing it yet. Don't you give up worrying about that sheep. Don't you give up sweeping for that lost coin because there's going to come a day where you can say, I found it. It was lost, but it's not anymore. I kept on sweeping. I kept on searching. I kept on looking waiting for their return I was waiting for God to do a plot twist I was waiting on God to do something miraculous I'm glad I didn't give up I'm glad I kept praying and kept fighting I'm glad I didn't take the pen from God's hand Thank you, God, for my story. Thank you, God, for changing my story. Thank you, God, for rescuing me, for turning me around. Thank you, God, that not just ancient words in an old book, but it is the breathed word that is still alive. It is still speaking. It is still moving and changing lives. Help me to remember that you can change anything that you so desire in just a moment by your spoken word by a touch of your hand by one drop of your blood God you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or even think God help me to see beyond my story right now help me to see beyond 2020 help me to see beyond my current hell that I'm living in God that I may see all that you've promised for me help me endure to the end Help me hold on long enough for me to see how you take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for my good. Help me hold on long enough to see me and my family saved. Help me to trust you to finish that good work that you've already begun in me. And let me see that flourishing finish. God, help me to hold on another chapter, another day, another moment. God, for your word, it it gives us these stories that, that discourage us sometimes. But if we would keep on reading, if we would finish the rest of the verse, it would speak life and encouragement to us for the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy oh God that hurts I don't like reading that it discourages me but keep on reading for he said I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly so even when it doesn't always look good God will do all things to work together for good to them that love Him to them who are called according to His purpose. Would you let Him intervene tonight? Would you let Him interrupt your story to bring you to this very important message? Turn it 
to God. Turn it for my good. This is not David's story. This is my story. This isn't Joseph's life. This is my life. And God, that song says, you made a way. I don't know how, but you did it. You made a way. When my back was against the wall, God, and it looked like it was over, God, you made a way. When my story was spiraling and I was spinning and I was so lost and so dazed and confused, when I was a drunkard, when I was lost, God, when I was a sinful man, God, and my life was spinning and I was falling, God, you reached down in the middle of my story and you intervened and you interrupted my life and you interrupted me where I was at on my way down and you said that's as far as I'm going to let you fall and you picked me up and you changed the whole outcome of my story this is my story this is my story and God I've got to hold on long enough God to see that flourishing finish. Would you stand with me? If in your, you're in your home, you can stand. You can just lift your hands right where you are. Father, we love you tonight, God. God, we thank you, Lord. God, that you have made a way. God, that somewhere along life's way, God, perhaps my story didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. God, perhaps during this year I've drifted further than I intended. God, I've gotten further away from you than I anticipated. God, but my story is not over. God, for if there is a breath in my body tonight, God, I know that you're not done moving yet. God, right now I ask you to intervene. God, to step into my story. God, to reach down where I am, God, and pick me up. God, lift me up out of that miry clay again. God, stop me in my tracks. God, help me to hold on just a moment longer. God, I want to see it. I want to see it, God. Tonight, Lord, right here, right now. For the 